The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Ping.tv. Join the discussion at Ping.tv slash gold. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. Folks, this is episode 131. I have Wide Awake Jim back on the show. As many of you know, he was a CPA, a financial planner, and he has been in the oil and gas royalties business since 2010. If you'd like to catch up, on all of the episodes with Jim, they are episodes 80, 88, 120, 121, 122, 124, and 128. We've been going through all of these documents that Jim has reviewed, he's analyzed, he's highlighted for us. There's charts, there's graphs, there's white papers, there's articles, all types of information stemming from the Bank for International Settlements, which was founded in 1930. It is the bank for the central banks, and it does so much more than that, folks. And then in 1944 came the International Monetary Fund, the World Bank. These are the economic terrorists that go into all the countries around the world, install central banks, take over their infrastructure, force all this policy on them, and basically hijack these countries and their resources. So Jim has been going through that. Specifically, he got interested in this. For his oil and gas royalties business, he started researching the green energy graph, the climate change hustle, making sure that fossil fuels were not going anywhere over the next 10, 20, 30 years, going all the way out to 2050. Even Exxon and Chevron and others project that they're going to be using just as much fossil fuel then as they are now, folks. So Jim has proven already on this show that it is one giant hustle. It's a complete and total illusion. And the point of all this is to drive us into a central bank digital currency carbon credit based system on the last show episode 128 it was fantastic because jim was able to prove that the captain planets of this world the supposed saviors of the natural world are the bankers this whole green energy climate change hustle we've been witnessing roll out over the last 30 years in this country and worldwide stems from the bank for international settlements So did you know that the big bankers, the central banksters, these mafia bosses, these economic terrorists are in fact such lovers of the planet and the natural world? I was unaware of that. Now, it's great that Jim finally uncovered that because I had said to Jim and all the shows you listen to, the podcasts you listen to, the stuff you read, because he's more involved with following folks that are covering banking, financing, stuff of that nature. I said, have you ever seen uh, this ever come out? And he said, no, not really and i said well congratulations then i guess you're the first guy to have uh, figured out that the bankers of the world are in fact our captain planet saviors so jim welcome back to the show sir how are you today great intro <laughs> <Doing well. laughs> considering i'm uh, sitting outside at a coffee shop and uh on the coast of north carolina it's not too bad 
No, that's not bad. I mean, I, I'm surprised you don't have your carbon uh, muzzle filter on, though, because you're sitting there drinking a coffee and obviously emitting pollutants into the air. So soon you will have a carbon muzzle. Um, no, I think it's great, man. I mean, episode 128, I got to say, it took a while to get there, but the fact that, that, that Jamie Dimon and uh, Larry Fink, these guys that we look at, they're kind of the front-facing puppets of this system, uh, are actually Captain Planets. I, I just want to see them flying around in capes talking about saving the world. And one of the things you keep pointing out is that they, they keep saying, the banksters keep saying, that the climate is affecting banking and you keep saying how is the climate affecting banking the only way it could be affecting banking is because the bankers create the fake climate change industry this whole carbon credit system and then they claim that what it's affecting businesses the flow of money well of course you intentionally rigged a system that would hurt the economy for the purpose of driving us into central bank digital currency it's becoming obvious at this point yeah, there, there's one other way climate could technically affect banking, and that's by we've seen what 106 attacks on the on the power grid in the last six months to a year. Mm. So if they if they the elites, Mr. Global Bankers, whatever banksters, um, want to attack, and there are organizations, we're going to get into them. There are organizations out there that are paid by NGOs to go out and have activists do all kinds of crazy stuff, pull all kinds of crazy stunts. So again, they're creating the, the, the grid insecurity, right? Um, if the grid, if they take the grid offline, not just rolling blackouts, if they like shut the power grid down for a week, well, sure, ATMs aren't going to work. Bank branches aren't going to be open. Nothing's going to be open. So that could technically affect banking temporarily. But banking as a business, the temperature going up one degree Celsius, I don't get it. No, and, and what you're talking about, though, is these activist groups. You know, folks, think of it similar to like an Antifa-type organization. Yep. You have paid community organizers in there, similar to Saul Alinsky, you know, from the 60s. And then you have 90% that are real people. Like, they go recruit college kids that don't know any better, and they suck them in. Like, those people don't know they're working for some uh, front group. But it's the bankers themselves oh, that yes, are actually funding these groups. I don't know who's funding them. I'm working on that. But on one of the websites of these groups, they literally have a whole section on what to do if you get arrested. Oh, yeah. No, on uh, their website. Yeah, no. When, back when Antifa was big and then before that, 10 years earlier, was Occupy Wall Street, similar type of organized uh, chaos yeah. type group. They did the same thing. And they had all the lawyers on call, all these high-end civil rights, so-called yeah. civil rights attorneys. <laughs> I mean, one of, one of the guys, and, and this is out in the open, so I could say it, Tom Steyer. He ran for president in 2020 mm -hmm. as a Democrat. Tom Steyer is a huge climate activist. He has an organization called Next Gen Climate Action Committee. He's also a billionaire, okay, a billionaire who was running all sorts of investments into the climate change hustle green energy grift. And Tom Steyer is known and talks openly about these activist groups that he would fund to go camp out on top of the Keystone oil pipeline, to go yeah. light fires in the front of oil executive Lock highways. Homes. 
you know, sit down and block highway and all kinds of crazy stuff. Exactly. And so you have to look at like yeah. people like Steyer uh, is sort of like a Peter Thiel on the left, you know, if you want to talk about left and right. And then he funnels money yeah. to all these groups. Of course, Steyer goes right out in, in, in the open and talks about it. He doesn't hide any of it. And so yeah. this is what you're seeing. But again, it's it's the bankers really creating the problem reaction solution because they're yep. trying to create this illusion uh, to drive us further into technocracy i think it's just great because all the documents you have now prove this so far it's proof i mean these are their documents we didn't create this Mm -hmm. jim didn't have to go dig a tunnel under the library of congress and steal documents that were locked up in a (laughs) vault this stuff is available at the bis website the imf website the un climate committees world economic forum this stuff is spread all over the place and they write these big uh one of the pieces we're reviewing right now which is bank for international settlements green swan this is what we're going to continue um looking at today i'm going to pull that up on the screen i mean this document is 115 pages now jim has found i mean between the 200 documents you have for this series and probably 50 documents and charts and such that you had for episodes 80 and 88 i mean you've probably have over i'm guessing there's over five to ten thousand pages and stuff that you've flipped through and highlighted already i mean there's a lot it's a lot I mean, just the geology survey of Finland alone was a thousand pages. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know how many pages it is. It's a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy, folks, because first off, the, anyone who is in charge of even trying to implement all this obviously never read every white paper, every study uh that was done so there's no one on planet earth who has actually read all of this stuff it would frankly be impossible and then understand it all so you have a whole industry this whole climate change hustle this whole grift being run by all these documents that there's not one there's not like one coo that sits at the top that read everything and he is uh (laughs) passing this down passing the orders down right all right so jim do you want to um we are uh, at page 19 here. This is where we left off yep. on episode yep, 120. Just keep it right there. Make it bigger so I can see it. All right. Let's go through I'm gonna, this. Scroll up so I can see the graphic. Okay. What is the beginning date of the chart on the right? That is, uh, let's see if we can get closer here. What was that? Wait, are they actually talking 9977 BCE? I can't see the bottom. I, I don't know. Oh, okay. 9977 BCE. Yeah. And then it goes so to 2018. Wait, they... so are they talking literally, are they actually saying 10,000 BC? Is that what that is? I don't know about, I don't think it's the same equivalent, but it's a long time ago, right? So, <laughs> folks, what they did is they've got this chart here that basically is a hockey stick. Like, it's Al Gore's hockey stick chart all over again. And so what they did is they showed the the CO2 parts per million, you know, going basically straight up, it looks like, in like 2018, uh, which we know it didn't. But because they went backwards 10,000 years, it looks like it. So they take it completely out of context. 
Yeah, okay, so this is similar to the graph we looked at in like episode 122 yeah. or 124 where they went back to 1750. And then they right. showed it, it looked like all of a sudden like a, a mountain climb real fast. This one they actually right. went all the way back to, I mean, folks, it's literally okay. like, I think it's like 10,000 BC is basically where they went back to. So from 10,000 BC up to 2018, you just have a straight line. First off, I don't know how they were measuring the atmosphere atmospheric co2 concentration in 10,000 bc probably ice cores (laughs) there's still some people it's got to be ice cores but still so you got so that's fine it doesn't matter but if they shrink this to go back to say 1900 um it's not going to look anything alarming like like they're proving here and then the chart on the right is uh the co2 i think that's the same chart we looked at before it goes back to 1750 all right well not only how were they measuring co2 in the atmosphere in 1750 but how did they know which country it came from in 1750 right and folks on the audio side this is the chart um from episode 122 or 124 i just mentioned but this one's broken down so you have it broken down with how much co2 concentration there was coming out of europe united states uh, america's middle east even on the other chart we look because this looks like they cut some of it out it actually had like europe uh, european union and then europe less the 24 27 countries in the european union where we're saying wait a second right the european union didn't exist in 1750 so how could you even create a chart like that it's like ridiculous i i want to know how they measured one how they measured co2 in the atmosphere in 1750 and two how they could tell that co2 came from bulgaria versus uh singapore uh, when you uh, look at the ice cores, uh, it actually has a corresponding flag emoji <laughs> next to it. <laughs> but the flag's changed. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. Anyway, I, I cannot it's, believe yeah. this one. They went back to like 10,000 BC. It's a, this is comical, actually. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god and then here they go these increasing levels of atmospheric co2 concentration caused by human activity primarily the burning of fossil fuels but also deforestation and intensive agriculture prevent the earth's natural cooling cycle from working and cause global warming so that's yeah. that's their whole beef and we've already proven um through other scientific data from nasa and NOAA and documentaries and other documents that first of all the co2 concentration in the atmosphere is, is like 0.5 percent uh, of all you know, of all the greenhouse gases but in addition to that the majority of it comes from the ocean which is basically methane gas releases in the from the ocean floor and volcanic eruptions that's like the the vast majority of it it hasn't there is some from human activity, but it's pales in comparison. Yeah, and let, let's just point this out real quick for the audience, because I think I've been thinking about this too, and I think it sums all this up. All of this burning of the fossil fuels and all the petroleum-based products and everything we have were created. It all came out of like the industrial boom, right? Well, the industrialists mm-hmm. are all the same guys, just 
they, they run everything today. And the industrial boom was backed by the bankers back then. And all the companies, yep. including the fossil fuel companies, Exxon, uh, Chevron, you've talked about it. The banks are still funding those guys. They're still loaning money to them. So it's all still run. This whole system is still run by the bankers. It's funded by the bankers. If they wanted to end this, if they really thought that fossil fuels and CO2 emissions were destroying the planet and like we were just going to burn up in hell if we didn't stop it tomorrow, they would just come out on the international stage using all their committees, all their governors of the central banks, and they would not be looking to tax carbon. They would just come out and say, we're calling for an international ban. And it would be the whole world versus Exxon, Chevron, and the fossil fuel guys. And they would ban it overnight. They would say, all the drilling needs to stop. It's over. It's finished. It's done. We're going to destroy the planet. I know we're not there with solar panels and windmills yet. We'll figure it out next week. But the planet is about to burn up. It's over. Like, that's how fast they could do it if that's what it was really about. That's how you know that's right. not what it's really about. It's just like with cigarettes being dangerous. The government says they're dangerous, they're killing people, they're giving them cancer, and what's their solution? To continue to add taxes to it and make money. I don't believe that cigarettes right. aren't bad, but if the government really thought they were so bad, they would just ban them altogether. They wouldn't make money off of it. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, that's, well, that's what it proves too, to me. Think about, think about how Tesla makes money, right? Tesla doesn't make money on the, on the actual physical car. They actually lose money on the physical car. They make money selling carbon credits that they get out of thin air for creating an EV car. Okay. Well, to your point, um, they're, they're slowly walking us into a carbon credit system, like you said in the intro. And, and what is Exxon and Chevron and all these big oil and gas companies doing? Are they stopping exploring for oil and, and, and natural gas? No. In fact, Exxon this year is going to going to spend twenty three to twenty five billion dollars drilling new wells. Chevron fourteen fifteen billion, but also they're spending money and investing money in carbon capture systems. Why? Because that's the similar model as Tesla. They're going to get carbon credits given to them when they have one of those carbon uh, capture systems in place. Right. Exactly. Just to caption, uh, capture carbon, for, like just to live inside of the live action role play Griff. That's really all it is. And so people understand yeah. this is the equivalent of if Jim owned one acre, right? And on that acre, he's got some trees. It's a, you know, a little wooded area. And he does not do anything to that piece of land. They will come and give him these credits, right? They go, you're not doing anything in the land. Here's credits. Now, Jim can take those down to the coffee shop he's at right now. I mean, this is just simple terms, right? He walks in the coffee shop and he goes, listen, you guys are polluters. Uh, I've been measuring your CO2. Luckily, I have carbon credits because I own a one-acre wooded piece of land. I'm going to sell these carbon credits to you because you're a polluter. And they go, what the hell are you talking about? Well, that's the system. That's the way it works. You owe me $1,500 a month for these carbon (laughs) credits. Good luck to you guys. So he makes money off of land. But I forgot to mention the one-acre land that Jim has that he's not doing anything with. He stole that from somebody else <laughs> because that's yeah, all I these loaned the money. Doing. I loaned the money via a green bond, and they couldn't pay, so I took the land. <laughs> that's collateral. Exactly. The, uh, the collateral. I took the collateral instead. 
<laughs> right. That, then on top of it, you make a little useless solar panel thing that you can plug your iPhone into, and then you get carbon credits for that. You sell the solar panel that plugs into the iPhone at cost. It costs you $20 a piece to make it. You sell it at 20 so your company's losing money. But then the government gives you carbon credits because you made a solar panel that you can then go sell to the coffee shop. I mean, th- this yeah. is the racket, folks. It's completely made up. It's just it's it's a live-action role-play monopoly game is what it is <laughs> yeah. it's not i mean it's it's insanity let's continue the continued increase in temperatures will lead to multiple impacts such as rising sea levels which has never happened green greater intensity and in, in incidence of storms more droughts floods and rapid changes in landscapes now that's re- interesting because this came from the ipcc 2018 report but in the book that I referenced on the last show, and we're gonna, I'm gonna read some quotes from on the next show. It's go, it goes through uh, droughts, floods, um, not fires, but uh, tornadoes, hurricanes, uh, heat waves, and it goes through and documents with scientific data and the charts that prove that uh, man-made human activity CO2 is not causing either either uh, a greater incidence or a greater intensity of those events uh, all the way back to 1900. And not only is that the case, the IPCC 2017 report, the year before what we just read, actually acknowledges that and agrees with it. So a year later, they're, 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 they're taking the opposite stance. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's insanity. Yeah. So in other words, they're lying. Yeah. Yep. Uh, There's going to be untold suffering. Uh, Humans may have to abandon areas in which they currently manage to sustain a living, like South America, Central America, Africa, India, Southern Asia, Australia, and Australia. It's funny. All those uh, areas that that we I'm reading from their document are in the southern hemisphere and typically poorer nations because they're easier to steal from yes and just just to clarify that for the folks this is all what we talked about the 30 by 30 where they want to hijack 30 percent of the oceans and the lands by 2030 to use for the purpose of what i just explained to you with the story with jim that one acre piece of land that they steal and then they get to sell carbon credits based on that land that's what he's talking about so they all of a sudden, they identified all these places where they're going to have to drive all these refugees out of these areas. It just happens to yeah. be the areas that they're targeting to steal. <laughs> yeah, it's, and they're saying that the, the sea levels are going to rise, so they won't be able to live there anyways, and it's going to be too too humid. <laughs> you know, they've been threatening the sea level rise for you know, 30, 40 years now, and it hasn't happened. In fact... I read something recently where the um, the Arctic ice is actually growing, not shrinking. <laughs> Same with the Great Barrier Reef. The southern part of it's actually growing, not shrinking. Like, you know, that was a big scare a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's, it, right, it's crazy, though, yeah. but it, it's really good yeah, because you can see what they're doing. I mean, they're identifying places they're claiming climate change is going to drive people out of these areas. Meanwhile, they're on their target list of places they want to steal. I mean, that's it's just it's. Yeah. Great. And when Dustin says steal, it's basically uh, what we call the green grift or or the uh, the climate hustle. So we, we explained it with the blue bonds with Belize in a previous episode. Uh, but for folks that need to catch up. 
uh, I'll just explain Belize. It works the same on land for green bonds, but this is ocean for blue bonds. So Belize had 550, I don't know, billion dollars worth of U.S. dollar denominated debt. The, the New York Fed drove the price of the dollar up, which means Belize had to go borrow, use more of their currency to get more U.S. dollars because the value of their currency had gone down against the dollar and, uh, and to pay the interest payments. Well, they were in a trap. It's called a debt trap. So the IMF comes to the rescue and says, hey, we'll give you a 45% haircut on this debt with this blue bond and the World Bank's involved, but you got to set aside 30% of your ocean fisheries and conservation. Okay, well, that's not the theft yet because that's the collateral for the new blue bond. And when they can't pay that in a few years, of course, the IMF and the banksters will take over that 30% of the ocean fisheries in Belize and put it in a natural asset company, IPO it on Wall Street, and make a ton of money. Yeah, meanwhile, on top of it, let's just take the ocean. There's no fishing going on there, right? So now none of the fish are coming out of there. This is where they're going to start doing all the 3D printing and the lab-grown meats and all this other stuff. How much pollution is that going to create when they're running factories uh, that are making yeah. all this fake uh, soy meat that you're going to be eating uh, from the grocery store shelves? Uh, they don't tell you about that. You know, it's that. interesting. Uh, you know, when I was in the earlier this morning, I was getting coffee and I went to the restroom and I'm you know, dry, wash my hands and they, they've got one of those dryers, right? Not, they had no paper towels. And on the dryer, it had a little sign, a little sticker that says, you know, this is saving, uh, you know, the planet by, by you know, <laughs> using less paper towels, right? But yet the the air that's blasting out of that thing's coming out. It's like, like a, you know, you're going 8,000 miles an hour down the highway. It's like, you know, really powerful <laughs> air coming out of this thing. And I'm thinking, Wait a minute. <laughs> I wonder which is which is actually has a higher carbon footprint. This little machine or the paper towels? I don't I know, know the answer. I've, just I've, the thought popped into my head. <laughs> I've wondered that myself, Jim. And I think we should start a company that has a meter that we put on every single device, appliance, everything out there, and we should be able to sell that and get carbon credits for it. So it's a new business for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So there's this uh, table about climate change related shocks and their effects on different stuff. Just keep scrolling. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, this is uh, redistributive effects of climate change. Uh, and so you yeah. folks know this stuff, I didn't check today, but anyway, this should all be up at pain.tv slash gold, along with a link to a Google Drive where I put all of these documents. So I've been bugging the young bucks over there at pain.tv. Hopefully this stuff will be up. It wasn't, uh, some yeah. of it was up yesterday, but not all of it. So hopefully it'll be up today. So, so the BIS writes, the geographical distribution of potential physical risk triggered by rising temperatures clearly shows that the the primary they primarily affect poor and middle income countries. <laughs> it just avoids the the Western world and the rich countries. Somehow it's magic. Uh, in, in some, you know, the CO two is just as smart as the COVID virus. <laughs> in some cases, created by the same people. So a, of course, yeah, right. In some cases, denial has been a convenient demagogic response to these issues compounded by accusations of intrusion into national sovereignty. Well, those are legitimate, in my opinion, but, you know, not according to the banksters. Another popular political stance has been to dismiss the challenges posed by climate change as merely a concern of the wealthy and well-protected. Uh, the debate uh, 
with with skeptics is a, is a legitimate and necessary step towards improving the analytics on these issues while creating the socio-political conditions to start implementing policies to mitigate risk. <laughs> so that's interesting because the scientist that wrote that book, which we're going to read some excerpts from uh, on the next show, because I forgot it. Sorry, folks. Anyways, um, you know, in the book, he says, you know, you, you can't win. You, the purpose of debate is not to convince the other person you're debating to think like you. Everybody can't think alike. But then later writes that we have to get everybody that doesn't agree with uh, or doesn't believe in climate change to actually behave in such a way to get our way. Isn't yeah, that the that, same thing, basically? That's the science of social engineering. I, I think that people Thank can you. relate to that with, um, no, but people can relate to that with COVID land, the high school theater production, right? 50, let's say 50% of the people bought into it and believe in it. Okay. And, and they're going to put on the mask. They're going to get the jab. They're going to get tested every five minutes. Like they truly believe in it. They're now a germaphobe, a uh, hypochondriac. And then you have 50% that kind of don't believe in it, but 40% of those people just go along to get along. They put the mask on, yeah. they stand on the dotted line, they walk up and down the aisles, they try to avoid the Kens and Karens. And then there's 10% that are like me that tell you to just go screw yourself, I'm not putting the mask on, and I walk through the grocery store without it. But it's those 40% that, that they're talking about. If we could just get them to like pretend to play live action role play with us, we don't care. They're going along with the system. And that's, that's what this is all about. It's forcing people into the theater production you know into the live yep. action role play yep so they continue here it says it's almost certain as we have been observing in many recent cases that political backlashes will increase against a lower carbon society thus the so social po socio-political viability of combating climate change depends on addressing its dis distributional consequences the enormous challenges described above mean that the policies to combat climate change will be quite invasive and are likely to have significant collateral effects on our societies and our production and consumption processes with associated distributional effects <laughs> they conclude that the reg regressive distributional effects of many climate policies requires compensating lower income households for their negative income effects as well as being gradual and progressive in the introduction of such policies. Yeah, that's universal basic income. Is uh, to get people yeah. on universal basic income. And so, folks, now we've talked about it here before, but in case you're new to this, the whole purpose of that is so that the bankers and their puppets, you know, the elected official types that are the salesmen, the politicians, so they don't get dragged from their homes, you know, and, and beaten to death with a kielbasa. I mean, that's basically what they're trying to avoid here. <laughs> So we will pay yep. them until we send them to the incinerator. That's basically what they're saying. 